All right, everybody. Hey, look, my name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I want to welcome you to New Life Church. I want to welcome you to our New Life Church at Kearney. I want to welcome you to our New Life Church in North Platte. I want to welcome you to the New Life Church in Ogallala. I want to welcome you, even if you're at New Life Church online in your pajamas, sitting at your breakfast table, eating something, watching us on your tablet. I want to welcome you. How many of you guys are excited to be at New Life Church today, huh? Yeah. I know that I am. I know that I am. We are in our current teaching series. In fact, we're getting ready to wrap it up. So if this is your first week with us, we're going to wrap up this series that we called Who's On First? It's been an intense dive. It's been very realistic. How many of you guys would say there's something in this past teaching series that just smacked you between the eyes you felt like God was using it to get your attention? Yeah, I know. I felt that way. I've had a lot of people tell me, look, this teaching series has really just kind of hit me in the sweet spot. It stirred my heart. It's made me kind of want to make God more uh, first in my life. I hope that that's happened for every single one of you. That's our goal at New Life. We want to help you make God first in your life. We want to help that happen in your life. So, look, we've been on a journey throughout this teaching series. It started a few weeks ago. If this is your first week with us, Yes, you are here for the last week of a series, but that means that if you come back next week, you'll be here for the first week of a series, and that's good news, all right? So at least you know when something new is starting, okay? All right, but here's the, here's the really good news. All of our teaching uh, is online. You can go to mynewlifechurch.com. You can click on watch now. You can go back, you know, throughout this series. You can go back throughout the rest of this year, and I would encourage you to do that because week one, I talked to you guys about how we need to keep God first by not losing our first love. Week two, Pastor Nate helped us, how to, helped us understand how to keep God first by, you know, this issue of surrender versus control and how we need to surrender, and when we don't surrender, control takes over. Uh, week three, I talked to you about the, how to keep God first by seeking the important versus the tyranny of the urgent, right? And as we continued on through this, then we went to the next week of purpose, versus popularity. And then this week today, we're looking at the topic that we're going to be discussing with you. Now, hang on to your seat because both of these words could come across as negative, all right? But I guarantee you one of them is positive. Self-discipline, is that the negative or the positive word? All right, versus regret. Okay, now you've got it figured out, okay? All right, because a lot of us, self-discipline is not a word that we really, it's not the word that we want to talk about all the time. You know, now, the super, super self-disciplined people, they always want to talk about it, almost in kind of like a show-off fashion. All right, now, if that person sitting next to you, nudge them slightly, not enough to let the person behind you know that you identified them, though, okay? Because that's not the deal today. The, de the deal today is not how can we take true self-disciplined people and pull them down to the rest of our level, that's not our goal today, all right? I want to honor you. If you're a self-disciplined person, I want to honor you today. But look, we, when we use the word self-discipline, it, it conjures up a lot of emotions. For some, it puts a smile on our face. For others, it's like, dog, I came to church on this day, right? Man, did I, could I have picked a better day? Because some of you, some of you, you were raised in high self-disciplined cultures, some of you, that's where you came from. How many of you guys would say, I came, I came, I was raised in a home that had a, a high level of self-discipline built into it? Anybody? Okay, yeah, come on, be proud of it, people. I was one of those. All right, yeah. So 
look, that's where we were at. Like bedtimes, bedtimes were set. How many of you guys had a, had a bedtime that was set, right? Right? You don't, yeah, okay, now more hands are going up. They're like, oh man, well maybe I did live in a more high, high discipline culture than I thought. Um, meals, meals were more on the healthy side. You know, where sweets and sodas, they weren't kept around the house all the time, but they were brought in for special occasions. If that was your life, there was no soda in my house. No soda in my house, right? And few sweets were in my house growing up. But yet we had sweets all the time because my mom liked to make them. Thanks, mom. Appreciate that. That's why I am the way I am. Should be proud of it. We live in a high agriculture uh, community, right? I mean, all throughout Nebraska. Farm, working on the farm, man, if you don't have self-discipline working on the farm, nobody else gets the work done. Any farm people out there? Okay, yeah, they're always reserved. They're always reserved, right? They're like, hey, look, we put food on your table, but don't put a lot of attention to us, you know? We work tirelessly from morning to night, but don't pay attention to us, right? If it wasn't for us, you would all die, but don't worry about us. <clears throat> so look, look, look at farm, farm work creates a lot of self-discipline. Maybe you lived in a home where video games and TV time was limited. Or maybe you should have lived in a home where video games and TV time were limited, right? I think we could all have gained more from that. For most of us, let's talk about the majority of us, we all struggle with maintaining self-discipline. All of us do. Right? You work out in January, but that's when it ends. Anybody with me on that? And don't you find it interesting that at least here at the, at the Kearney campus, there's a brand new gym getting ready to open just before January. Wow. Good business strategy right there. Good business strategy. All right, so you, you work out in January, that's when it all ends. You eat, your eating habits, they come and go with the seasons. Is that you? Like, hey, it's winter. I'm going to be wearing a lot of layers. I can eat whatever I want. <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, spring hits, and it's too late. It's too late by then. Right? Now you're like three layers deep trying to hide it all, and you can't get back to one layer. <laughs> and now you're sweating like a dog. Right? And it's, that's not good either. So sometimes our eating habits, they come and go with the seasons. You struggle. You struggle to show up for appointments on time. That's none of you. None of you, you're probably on time for everything. Uh, you don't stay consistent, like with your discipline, even towards your children. Parents, didn't mean to step on your toes there, but you start out good, and then you weave, and then you gum, and then you go, and then you cave, and then you give in, and then you, you, know, you end up in this situation. So we struggle even with the discipline and leadership we're trying to provide, provide for our children. Your books, they gather dust in between your reading sessions. Okay, And you spend hours on end every single day on Facebook and Netflix, unaccounted for, not even knowing where they all went. If, that, if any of those things sounds like any of your life, just know this, you're a normal human being that struggles to maintain self-discipline. And I could have I gone into other areas like finances, right? I could have gone into a number of different areas. But some of you guys, unfortunately, you've come to a point where you just gave up on self-discipline altogether. Some of you, you, you just gave up. You're like, it's too much. It's too hard. It's just not worth it anymore. I'm going to let the kids run the house. And the kids are running the house. And is it really, truly any better? No, it's only going to get worse. 
Some of you live in that K-Sarah, Sarah lifestyle, right? Whatever is going to be, is just going to be. Self-discipline is not going to change it or anything. Some of you, you grew up in a very highly disciplined culture, and you've gone to the other extreme, to the opposite ditch, trying to find your own identity. And in the midst of that, you're losing yourself. Some of you just feel totally defeated in certain areas of life. Certain areas of life have just completely defeated you. You've tried everything within your power and your energy to like overcome it. And it's completely defeated you. So you finally just said, forget it. I'm not going to apply any self-discipline in these areas. And that's sad. That's a sad place to get to, but I understand it. I understand that fight on the inside, guys. I'm just like you, by the way. You cut me, I bleed. You pinch me, I scream. You give me something really exciting, and I get a big smile on my face. I'm just like you. I'm a human being. I, I understand. I understand what we're talking about here today. I've been in all these categories. I've also been in this last category. There's some of you that are super highly disciplined people. You go to bed at the same time every day. You wake up at the same time every day. You eat the same healthy meals week in and week out. You work out every single day. You save money, but you keep all of your responsibilities up to date. You're never late anywhere that you go. You're both a planner and an organizer, and you find time to get all the important things done. We have a love-hate relationship with you. We want to be just like you, right? But then we feel, we kind of almost feel like, well, if we had what you had, then we would be better. But church, hear me out. Here's a massive fallacy in life, okay? Nobody is born with the gift of self-discipline. Nobody. You might go, well, wait, like certain people seem like they have the more traits bent that way. Well, certain people may have disciplined themselves to be that way, and now they're living in this schedule of life that looks very self-disciplined, and it makes you go, I'm in awe of you, but I just want you to know we're all human beings. We all struggle with self-discipline. If you see somebody that's highly self-disciplined, it's because they've been working hard at it. They have their own weaknesses that they have to say no to every single day to live that lifestyle. Nobody's born that way. We're all humans struggling through this world trying to find self-discipline that actually matters in something. The problem is this, that when we neglect self-discipline, here's the backside of it. You know the backside because I already told you at the beginning. The backside is then you end up with all of these regrets. And regrets pile up like a weight in a bag that you're trying to hang on to while you're trying to stay afloat in the middle of the ocean. And over time, regrets build up to the point where it just sinks your boat. Neglects. Neglect of self-discipline brings regrets. Like one day, all of a sudden, you look in the mirror and you're like, I, I don't like this weight. I don't like the weight that I'm carrying. Or one day, you look into the mirror and you go, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. And now that moment seems like it's drifted away. All of a sudden, you look at your report card and you're like, man, I wish I, I, wish I had better grades. I don't like my grades, but there's no self-discipline, and the regret is now you're sitting here with a report card that can't change, right? I, I wish I didn't have so much debt hanging around my neck. 
Or maybe I just don't like the clutter of my house and the clutter of my office and the clutter of my car. I don't like the fact that I'm just, it's messy all the time. Or I wish that I would have invested more time into my marriage, but the divorce papers are already being signed. Self-discipline will always end up in regret, and here's the worst yet. The worst yet is that I, is if you get to a point where you regret this, I wish that I would have put God first. Look, it may not be time to salvage these other components of regret in your life. Some of them may be in the past, and you may not be able to ever go back and regain those. That's just the, that's just the, that's the cost of life. But I can guarantee you this, this one that I just brought up, that I wish that I would have put God first, that's something you still have time to deal with right now. And I guarantee you there's a whole host of other things in your life that you still have time to deal with if you just dive in and you focus. But this issue of, man, I wish I would have put God first, here's, here's the truth of it. The truth is this, God wants your relationship with him to thrive, church. Not survive, but thrive. And God knows that you and me as humans, we struggle with self-discipline. So God has given us an amazing gift to help us through this lack of self-discipline to thrive in a relationship with him. I want you to look what God has done in your life, and he's done it in my life. He's provided it for all of humanity. It's in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and say it with me. All right, now before we get into this, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest believers ever to walk on planet Earth, who's known God more intimately than most of us will ever, has written a majority of the New Testament to help us understand what this walk of faith really looks like, is speaking these words to a young protege of his who's gone off to pastor his own congregation, and Paul sent him there. And he's saying these words to Timothy, reminding him of something. So the question is this, why is Paul reminding Timothy about what God has given him? Why is he doing that? And to grasp it, you have to go to the verse before it. Let's go to verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid hands on you. Paul is basically saying this to Timothy. Timothy, I don't want you to get to this point of your ministry where you have regrets about your ministry because you didn't activate the gift of God that was in you to the extreme that God wanted it to be activated. I don't want you to get to a point in your ministry where you regret it because you marginalized this gift of God in you and you just relied on your own human strength and ability. I don't want you to have regrets, Timothy. So therefore, he drives home the point. And I want you guys to know this, that without without self-discipline, the gift of God that's within you is just going to lay dormant. Self-discipline is required to see the gift of God that's within you to shine brightly, and every single one of you has one. Every single one of you has something very unique. Every single one of you has has a DNA woven right into you that came from the power and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God and the power of Christ to do something that is so unique, that's so different than what I could do, 
to love people and to lead people in such a way, to influence people in such a way that it lets them know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the leader of your life. Every single one of you has an incredible gift, but without self-discipline, that spiritual gift won't be fanned into flame like it ought to be. Self-discipline fans into flame the gift of God in you. Notice that. He says, fan it into flame. It's a spiritual gift. There's something you have to do, Timothy, to make it happen. And church, I want you to know there's something you have to do to fan into flame the gift of God that's within you. So when you put these two verses together, here's what really stands out. Right? There's a reason, Timothy. I want you to fan into flame the spiritual gift that's in you. Church, that's what I want you to do. For God has not given us a spirit. Notice that. It's a spirit. Okay? It's a spirit that God's giving us. It's not these things. It's not fear and timidity. But it is these things. And one of them is self-discipline. That God has actually given you a spirit of self-discipline. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of the believer. So today, if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you surrendered your life to him, and your life right now is being lived in such a way that you're trying to honor the Lord with everything within you, I want you to know the power of the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And one of the unique things that he's wanting to do in your life is to breed self-discipline in you so that your life can honor God. But without his power, it's impossible for you to do. So what you and me were impossible to do, it was incapable of us to do on our own. God gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life of self-discipline, to fan and flame the gift of God within us, and to accomplish every great thing that God wants to do in our life. And I love that about God. I love the fact that God didn't set you up to fail. He set you up to succeed, to thrive. It's awesome. It's awesome. So the Apostle Paul, you can obviously tell, he's got a decent grip on this whole deal of self-discipline versus regret. He talks way more about it in other passages. I want to take you to one of those. And let's kind of look at this one just for a moment. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul's writing these words to the church of, of Corinth. And he says, look guys, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Okay? Look, notice this. Notice that he says, look, verse 25, all athletes are what? Disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But here's what I like about it. He goes, but we, but we, but we what? But we discipline ourselves in training to do what? To win an eternal prize. So he doesn't just say, look, it's about the athlete and the athlete's training. We do something else. No, he goes, no, there's great discipline that's brought to us to achieve something, it's an eternal prize. So he says this, so here's what I personally do. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I know that every decision I make is leading me towards accomplishing what God wants. And I have to be self-disciplined and I have to activate discipline in my training in every decision that I make, in every choice that I make, in every waking moment, it's, it's gotta be there. If I slip in any moment, Right? Well, then, then I got to play catch up, or I've failed, or I've fallen flat, and I got to get back up, and I got to keep running. So Paul says, Look, I discipline my body like an athlete. This is what he's encouraging you and me to do. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. 
There's a lot. There's a lot in these two, these few verses. I want to really highlight two simple things. The self-discipline, it leads to a reward. That's the first thing that stands out to me from what Paul's saying. Self-discipline, it leads to a reward. He goes, look, you, you discipline yourself like an athlete disciplines themselves, and you should expect the reward at the end, spiritually. What is the reward that he said we should expect at the end, though? It's an eternal prize. Say eternal prize. It's an eternal prize. An eternal prize is not a temporal prize. A temporal prize is I get the wreath. They used to run the race so they could get a wreath. So a wreath would be put on their head and they could like champion that. And they'd be like, look, I am the winner of the race. Any sports team, they play so they can get, you know, the, the cup or they can get the championship. Or like the St. Louis Blues last year, finally, right? The Stanley Cup winners. Yeah. Not that you care. <clears throat> I care. But every team, man, they're, they're going for it, right? They're going for the big prize. And for you and me, self-discipline, we should recognize it leads to an eternal prize. Eternal prize, which is us spending eternity with God. Living a life that honors him. Living a life that glorifies him. Look, man, when you know that your efforts... Every single effort, when Paul was talking about efforts, he was saying, look, I I recognize that I I have to live every day with a purpose. I'm not just shadow boxing. When you know that your every effort leads to a great reward, you end up making better decisions. When you know that every step is going to lead to an incredible treasure, then every step matters. You make better decisions in every step. It would be kind of like me giving you a treasure map. If I gave you a treasure map and I said, look, this thing's like legit. It's awesome. At the end of following this map is an incredible treasure that's going to change your life forever. It starts right here at New Life, and the treasure map goes, and it goes over to this tree with this fork. You got to find that tree at the fork, and you got to turn left, and you got to go here, you got to go there. Like every step, you would be like, every step, you'd be like looking at the map, and you'd be looking where you're going, and you're like, oh, there it is. Okay, wait, let's turn left here. Like every step would matter until you got to the X on the ground. And you dug it up and you enjoyed the treasure. Like that's what you would do because every step would matter. Why? Because it was leading to a goal. It was leading to a great prize. Well, guys, your self-discipline is leading you to the X on the ground, to the treasure. It's called an eternal prize with God. So here's what I want you to do, right? I want you to focus your self-discipline towards spiritual training. You focus your self-discipline towards everything else. You focus it towards the way you eat, you focus it towards the way you work out, you focus it towards your work, you focus it towards the way you lead your children. I want you to consider focusing your self-discipline towards your spiritual training. Here's what your spiritual training would look like. Make Sunday morning worship a high priority. That'd be part of your training. Be like an athlete who wakes up early in the morning to train, you would put Sunday morning high on the priority list and you would say, look, this is part of our spiritual training. We've got to make this a high priority. I want, you to, I want you to put, you know, regular Bible reading. I want you to schedule it. Just schedule it if you have to, right? Look, at this time, I'm going to take these five minutes. I'm going to take these 15 minutes. I'm going to take whatever it is, and I'm going to be in God's word, and I'm going to also be in prayer, both praying to God and listening to him. And use your self-discipline to do spiritual training in that manner. That would be something I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you, use your, your spiritual training like to join a life group. 
and to be in biblical community with other believers. Where you got each other's back, where you're encouraging one another, where you're doing life with each other on a regular basis. And then lastly, I want you to use your spiritual training to find a way to say yes and to start serving in ministry. That's what I want you to do. I want you to find a place where you can jump in and you can start serving in ministry by saying yes to ministry. I just want you to consider that. Here's what I know as a pastor. What I just gave you is what's referred to as our proven process. It's a proven process. Yeah. It comes from some other things, but it's a proven process. That if you activate Sunday worship, if you activate being in a life group, and you activate serving in a ministry, I'm telling you, that proven process has been, been used by you know, spiritual person after spiritual person after spiritual person, and it's always produced good fruit in someone's life. It's always done something amazing in their life. It's the proven process. Activate your self-discipline towards your spiritual training. But out of that 1 Corinthians chapter 9 passage, I also noticed this, that self-discipline, it gets you what you want. It gets you what you want. Paul said it this way. He said, look, I, I, disciplined, trained the body to do what it should. Discipline, trained the body to do what it should. See, every single day, in every moment of every day, you're faced with having to make key choices. Choices that are going to cause you to get what you want most or get what you want now. And there's a big difference between those two. If my body leads itself, my body always gets what it wants now. I want three cookies. Bam, I eat the three cookies. But if I make the decision I get what I want most, what do I want most? I still want to fit into my jeans tomorrow. And I don't want to have to buy the stretchy jeans. I want the regular jeans, right? You get what I'm saying? Like, what do you want most versus what you want now? That's what you're constantly in battle with. And self-discipline gets you what you want. Basically this, exercising self-discipline brings you to a, a clear understanding of what you should say yes to and what you should say no to. If you can think of it this way, self-discipline then in that regard, after training yourself over time, because it's a habit, right? It's a habit. It's going to take a few days. It's going to take a few weeks. That they become like the guardrails on a mountainous road. Now, if you've ever been driving in the mountains, and you, you were driving, and it's, it's, it's like sheer drop-offs, there was some security that was brought to you by the guardrail. But if you've been in third world countries where you've been driving on those sheer drop-offs, there's no guardrails. And there's this scary feeling, even though you are hugging the mountainside, that somehow the car is going to mischievously jump right off the mountain. And I guess, I guess I could equally say that there could be some false security brought to the fact that there's a guardrail. Because if you purposely keep running your car into the guardrail, you'll break the guardrail down and eventually your car will go over the cliff as well. But the guardrails are like the self-disciplines that have been built up over time in our life that keep us on this narrow path that is dangerous called life. And it helps us to achieve and get what we want in life. So here's what, I, here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on this. Make sure that your self-discipline has an objective. If self-discipline gets us what we want, it, it's some, there's something about what we want that helps drive the behavior of the self-discipline. 
So let, let that work for you in your spiritual life. What's your objective that you're shooting for? Paul said it this way in, that, in 1 Corinthians. He said, look, he said he trained his body like an athlete. Why did he train his body like an athlete? Because something happens up here for an athlete. When you've got a, a completely dedicated, all-in athlete, the athlete's training for what? They're, they're training for something, right? An objective, a competition. And it's the competition that they're training for that will cause them to say no to the cookie and yes to the treadmill. It's because the competition is coming. And I want to be as fast as I can be. I want to be as efficient as I can be. I want to I get the lowest time I can get. There's an objective that's in mind. Well, church, look, I want you to do this. I want you to wake up every single day recognizing that you are in a competition to say yes to God and to honor him or to say yes to this world. And I want you to think of it this way. What if you woke up tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, and the very first thing you did when your feet hit the floor is you turned your eyes to Jesus and you said, today I am training like a spiritual athlete. And I've got an objective in mind. It's called an eternal prize. And I want to win that prize. And today, I am a spiritual athlete. How would that change what you say yes to and what you say no to? If all of a sudden you gave yourself an objective that you were living for that day, it would radically change you. One simple little thing. I'm going to change the way that I program myself. I'm going to wake up. I am a spiritual athlete training for an eternal prize today. That alone is going to change the way you think. It's going to change the way you make decisions. It's going to keep you on the straight and narrow path. But what happens when you fail? Because failure and defeat is like the worst enemy to self-discipline. What do you do when that happens? Because it's going to happen. Like you've been on a diet, right? And you've been trying to eat right, and then all of a sudden you blow it. You go to the wedding, you're saying, no, I'm not going to eat the cake. And before you know it, you've slammed down four pieces. <laughs> that, or that's just my life. I, I, I hate those weddings that you go to and they've got like four different kinds of cakes. Can we just keep it simple? One cake. Because when you, got a, when you have a cake deficiency in your life, then you want to eat one of each. Okay? So please help us at weddings. One cake. One flavor. I only need one piece. All right? But when you, say, when you say yes to that and you cave in on the diet, guess what happens? Now your mind changes and you go, well, I've caved in already. I might as well go to Sonic. <laughs> I don't even need Sonic, but I'm going to go anyways because I've already caved. Isn't it interesting how when we, in our self-discipline, when we find a defeat that takes place, then we just kind of like throw in the towel. We're like, well, might as well do whatever, like reading your Bible. And then all of a sudden, you, you haven't read your Bible for a few days, and you look at your Bible, and your Bible's kind of like speaking to you, like it grows a face, and it makes you feel guilty. Like, why aren't you paying attention to me? And because of that, that that's weird, I get it, all right? <laughs> but because of that, does it make you want to go read your Bible more? No, it doesn't. It makes you want to go the opposite direction. When we find defeat in self-discipline, it's amazing how it all warps us to live the behavior just the opposite of what we want. And the Apostle Paul, he experienced this as well. Take a listen as we kind of wrap up today. In Romans chapter 7, he goes, I want to do what is good, but I don't. Does it sound familiar? I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. This guy, he's not messed up in the head. He's just like you and me. 
any of us could be writing this right now. Verse 20, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it wrong. This is not him like caving, all right? This is not him making excuses. He's just coming to a realization that it's the sin living in me that does it. Here's what I've discovered. This principle of life that, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. Anybody else? That's me. But there's another power within me that's at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, man, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who will free me from this life where self-discipline isn't enough? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. When I don't have the power in me alone to honor God, thank God that the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is living within me because without him there is no way for me to overcome sin. So church, never forget Never forget these verses that we've talked about today. 2 Timothy 1.7, God gave you a spirit of self-discipline. The Holy Spirit's living within you for one great purpose, so that your life can be lived in such a way that it honors God in all areas and at all times. And just know this, no matter how much you rely on him, you're always going to need Jesus. You're always going to need him. So can I make one big, bold statement today? No matter what area you need your greatest help in, stop calling out to God as if he needs to give you anything else than what you already have because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Lean into the Holy Spirit instead of calling out to God as if he needs to give you some additional strength to overcome your area of your, we of your greatest weakness where you need most self-discipline. You already have it. Lean in and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to his voice more than you listen to any other voice. And today I want to end back on 1 Corinthians 9.24. We already read it, but this is what Paul said. He says, run to win. Church, as we wrap up this who's on first teaching series, run to win is just another way of saying this. Keep God first. Keep him first. I can't express it enough. The Holy Spirit of God is living within you. The spirit of self-discipline. Wake up tomorrow like a spiritual athlete and say, God, I'm running the race today to achieve a great prize, an eternal prize. And that means I'm going to look at my decisions based on the competition that's coming up. I want to live my life today to honor you. Let's live like a spiritual athlete and let's train our bodies to live in such a way that honors and glorifies God. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Jesus, throughout this entire teaching series, our whole focus has been, how do we keep you first? How do we keep you first? And there's this great war that's within us and around us that's totally fighting against you being first in our life all the time. Lord, we want you. We want you to have complete control. We want you to have complete authority in our life. So Jesus, today, we surrender the fact that we aren't good enough and that in our own strength, we can never live to honor you. We can never live to, 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 
to have a life that you would look at and you would say, I'm pleased with that. But yet, you sent the Holy Spirit that can dwell in us, that can bring self-discipline in such a way that can cause us to live a life that glorifies you and honors you. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that good news. So that at the end of life, we don't have to end up with a ton of regrets. Lord, if there's people that are here today that have regret, that can be resolved, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray right now you would show them the way out. There are those that are here today that have regret from the past that, it's, that cannot be resolved. I just pray that you bring peace to their life and you would point their attention away from the past and into tomorrow. That the decisions we make today will affect our tomorrow. We can change the course of our trajectory today. We don't have to say, I wish that I would have put God first. We can say today, I have put God first. May all of us that hear my voice today, may we put you, Jesus, you first, and allow the power of your Holy Spirit to do your unique work in us and through us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.